Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Walk Show podcast, where we explore the walk of life. This is your host, Walker Near. As always, the music for the show is provided by Misha Zarin, so thank you, Misha. I also want to briefly mention the Ozarks Food Harvest, which is a food bank here in southwest Missouri. To be clear, I have no official relationship with the Ozarks Food Harvest, but they are doing very important and meaningful work to help feed hungry people across many locations. I encourage you to find a way to contribute to your local food bank, as it is a cause that has immediate impact on people in your area. I also invite you to subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice, whether that be Apple, Spotify, whatever the case may be, uh, as well as follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at The Walk Show or The Walk Show Pod. Uh, so check me out there and you can find all those links in the show notes. This week, we are joined all the way from Tokyo, Japan by entrepreneur and author Natsune Oki. Natsune grew up in Japan, but moved to the U.S. to attend university before returning home. She went on to start Life Up Education TV, which is an entertainment and education show featuring incredible stories of high achievers across a wide variety of industries, from entertainment to technology, to talk about the art and science of possibility in humanity. Natsuni has recently released her book, The Game of Self-Domination, which focuses on how to achieve mastery of self in order to achieve anything else. I was so thrilled to talk to Natsune, and I really enjoyed our chat. I'm sure you will as well. So without further ado, let's get over to the conversation. Welcome to the Walk Show podcast, Natsune Oki. Thank you so much for joining. How are you doing tonight? Yeah, thank you very much for having me, Walker. I'm doing great. How are you? I am well, thank you. Um, you're joining us all the way from Tokyo, Japan, uh, which mm -hmm. is super cool uh, to me. I'm from Springfield, Missouri, so basically Nowhereville, USA. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've got to talk to people from Mumbai and from Shanghai and now from Tokyo. So this is all very, wow. very exciting for me. That's amazing. <laughs> so wait, hold on. Springfield, is it where Simpsons is from? It is, and I don't know if they ever clarified or not. I feel like they did at some point, but they, for a long time, they would never say what state because there's Springfield, Massachusetts. There's like Springfield, Tennessee. There's a bunch of Springfields. Oh, in, interesting. In, <laughs> yeah. So I don't think mine's the famous one. Um, we're famous, like Brad Pitt, if you know who that is, he's from here. So that's, oh. yeah. So there you go. I don't know. That. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's cool. Um, I guess it's not like mm -hmm. I know him, but <laughs> so yeah. So uh, you know, you had reached out to me. Uh, you've you've really started a wide variety of of different business ventures, um, and I want to kind of visit all of those. So so you've got a, a website, and then is it also like a web TV series? Yeah, the Life Up Education, Life Up Education TV. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and then you've you've also got another website, ForeignConnect.org, which is, yeah. if I'm understanding it correctly, enabling businesses from abroad to do business in Japan. Is that right? Uh, it's actually vice versa. I do okay. both, but I also mainly now I help Japanese companies to launch businesses abroad, but now I say just America for now. Gotcha. Um, but I basically yeah, help them to set up the business in America. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, that's super cool. Um, and then here now, by the time this episode airs, we're, we're recording here on August 25th, by the time it airs, the book will already be out. Um, but you have a new book coming out that is uh, The Game of Self-Domination. Mm -hmm. uh, and that comes out on August 27th of 2020. Yes, in two days. Mm -hmm. It's, it's yeah. kind of crazy because I was doing my last round of 
you know, like a polishing the fixing. Yeah. I was already kind of done with it, but I just wanted to like revisit to kind of see. And it was just so crazy. Like just within the few months, like your, I don't know if it's opinion, but you know, you realize different things because you're constantly learning new perspective. You're meeting new people, like your opinions slightly change even like even within yeah. the few months. So I was so surprised, like how much stuff I had to like add in a little bit more. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, um, chase, well, competing with the time right now. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, this might, I don't, this will sound kind of negative and I don't mean it that way, but yeah. th there's a, a drummer from the band tool, which I'm a huge fan of. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was asked one time tool notoriously takes long periods of time to make an album. Their last album was like 13 years in the making. Um, and, and someone asked an interview one time, how do you decide when an album is ready? Because of exactly what you're talking about, where it's like, you're always learning or you're always like as a drummer, maybe improving or as a mm -hmm. guitarist improving or whatever. So how do you, how do you settle basically on saying like, okay. And he was like, eventually you just have to accept that at any given moment you are as, as lame as you are right then. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and I don't mean to call you lame at all. That's my, my yeah. point. I don't mean that, but just, you kind of just have to go with where you're at and, and go mm -hmm. and, and know that next week you probably could have done better, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'll never release anything. You know? Right. Right. And I definitely like the very same psychology, basically. I'm, I'm a big believer of execution. I'm mm -hmm. like, I don't dwell on perfection or mm -hmm. I tend to not to. So I'm a big believer of just let's push it out. Let's push it out without like, well, not to sound like uh, lousy or anything like that. But, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I believe in execution more than perfection because perfection wouldn't allow you to get anything done. Right, right. Well, I mean, it's kind of, and that's kind of similar to the idea of like analysis paralysis, right? Where you just get stuck, even even outside of execution, but some people just get stuck thinking about an idea and trying to understand how it could work. And, and certainly strategizing has value, but to a point, and then it's like, you know, action is what matters. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because mm -hmm. the, the, the strategy is irrelevant without action. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, you grew up in, in Japan, is that correct? Or usually from Tokyo? Yeah, yeah. I was born and raised in Japan, not Tokyo. I'm more okay. smaller city, but yeah, I lived okay. yeah, the whole life. So so then at some point you came to the United States for, for college, is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. For the first time, I moved to, uh, moved to America for my car, uh, college. And what did you study while you were over here? Yeah, well... First of all, I had to study English because I couldn't speak any. Okay. Uh, and I studied business for the first uh, couple of years. And, you know, I have always been a very courageous person, even mm -hmm. as a kid. So I mentioned this very quickly in my bio, but I almost got kicked out uh, here as a high school student here in Japan, right? Oh, wow. and, but that was not the sign of me being a bad kid. It was more of my sign of, uh, very early sign of me being a courageous kid. Like I was not afraid of people's judgment. I was more willing to explore my curiosity. I just wanted to be me and you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. the same thing happened when I moved to America, for example, like no one I knew, especially coming from a small city, like no one I knew did the same thing I did, right? Like everybody stayed. Um, yeah. And then I did the same thing once again when I was in college. So the first few, uh, first couple of years, I studied business, but I decided to all of the international students' friends that I had would, you know, their goal would be just to 
stay in the school, get a degree, get a job at Microsoft or whatever. And that's like, that's it. They call it it, right? But for me, my case, it was a little bit different because I actually took some time off, even though I didn't have the degree, I didn't speak the perfect language, you know, like all that. I just took the time off to kind of explore the life in true sense in America. I wanted to work with entrepreneurs. I wanted to work with innovators because thankfully I was in Seattle in an environment where I was able to interact with a lot of like uh, entrepreneurs in tech field. Mm -hmm. Um, So I got to work a lot with uh, people who are, I guess, forward thinker. I don't know if forward thinker is a good word, but people who were interested in future, people who were interested in how can we advance the humanity, the capability of humanity. Mm-hmm. So that got me inspired a lot. So I slightly shifted my focus from business, which is, you know, has to do a lot with financial matrix as a matrix of success to economics, where it has more concern, it has more space for, you know, elements for people, like impacting people. It gives mm-hmm. you, you know, a little bit of education, a little bit of technology, a little bit of politics, like, you know, it has more people elements in it. So I decided to major that after that. And yeah, that's the whole summaries of what I studied during that year. That's pretty cool. So, yeah. so then at what point did you, cause you said the first time that you lived in America, so did you go, go back and forth between America and Japan at some point in time? Yeah. Sometimes I did come home. Um, okay. and then I actually worked in some company in Tokyo as well, uh, when I came back and huh. that was actually the period I met my best friend now. Uh, he's a Swedish entrepreneur in Tokyo. He has a company in Tokyo from Sweden. So mm-hmm. he has a very interesting life. But he, I think he was one of the person, the first person who taught me the true sense of entrepreneurship in a super like a close sense because we were like best friend and we were hanging out every day like this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like hanging out with him definitely planted a little bit of, you know, curiosity around going my by myself. Right. Well, and I don't, I, I don't mean this as like a trying to pin you on, on what you just said, but I'm curious, how would you describe what the essence of entrepreneurship is? And I mean that as a purely curious question. I don't yeah. have an answer <laughs> myself. So, I think coming back to what we discussed a little bit earlier, I think one thing I think about him or I, one thing I, I guess I do now is really don't dwell on your failures and losses mm. and basically have the courage to accept yourself even if you're not imperfect and just dwell on it just execution execution execution. if you have a time to be disappointed if you have a time dwelling bitching on something use that time to just execution like use that time to just execute on your idea like don't dwell like don't stop never stop and I think that's very important if you want to be an entrepreneur. Like mm-hmm. it's purely the game of emotion. It's purely the game of psychology. It's not necessarily, you know, you got to manage your time. You got to manage your uh, task resources. Like, no, not like that. Like when you're in the position of leadership, it's purely the game of psychology, like a, dominating your psychology. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's so interesting, you know, for the last year or so I've been on this uh, and <laughs> I've been reading self-help books and personal development books, and I've, I've signed up with a life coach. I've been working with her for several months now. And, mm-hmm. um, and really, I mean, I, I think that what you're describing, while certainly it sounds like applicable to business and entrepreneurship, 
maybe is just actually the answer to to life right mm -hmm. like we get so caught up uh, myself for sure is guilty of this but we get so caught up in in our failures and like for me where i was caught in a long time was i would have failures and i thought that my failures were the result of character flaws right mm -hmm. like that i had some there was something wrong with me i'm this like broken person and only in the last year when i finally learned to stop doing <laughs> those self talks with with myself mm -hmm. did i come to understand that all of that was nonsense yeah um, and that i was just kind of spinning my wheels trying to solve a problem that frankly isn't solvable because the problem isn't character flaws mm -hmm. so then if you try and solve the character flaws problem it doesn't work because that's it's not <laughs> that's not the problem the problem is probably execution with whatever you're doing you just need more practice or need more right. repetition or, and also know. i want to say is that in business especially the most important well not i wouldn't say most but very important concept of this is it's all about context you need to find a context where you can provide value for it's a product and market fit so it has you don't have to be emotional about whatever that's happening but rather you need to be you need to have a very high sense of emotional intelligence to know that whatever happening right now to you is what happening. And sometimes it's a result of just not fitting the market and product fit, product market fit, right? Like mm -hmm. you're not providing, like you're not finding the right context for you to be who you are. And therefore maybe who you are is not correct to fit in that very context. Mm -hmm. But once again, I guess that is why, like, for example, this is something I talk about in my book. Uh, you better focus on um, bettering your strengths. You better focus on betting on your strengths. Don't try to don't try to um, be better at your weaknesses. Like you fuck weaknesses. Like don't don't even bother that. Like hire someone else to do it. Focus on your strengths. Right. And see, like when you think about it like that, like you just have to find a context where you can contribute the most with the strengths that you have. It's just, right. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There's a, there's a book. Um, there's a couple of thoughts I have from you saying that there's one book I read called range. That's really about, um, people think that the idea of the book is that, that in solving large problems in the world, like curing cancer, as an example, um, that hyper specialization is the way that everyone thinks that you're supposed to go, meaning that like you're supposed to pick what you want to do when you're, you know, if you could choose when you're 10 years old and then only pursue that ever, then that's the, that's the only way to success. And it, it, it kind of illustrates that that's, that that's not necessarily the case through, through some science, but, but, but the point that, that makes me relate it to what you said is that, um, it talks a lot about match quality and about how the problem with early hyper specialization is that you might pick something early that isn't really to what you're saying, the thing that, that is the product market fit as you're calling it, right? And so then you struggle and you see other people who maybe do have a better match and they they appear to, to be able to just go constantly. And, and, and I think there's a lot of misconceptions around the idea of like grit and tenacity <laughs> i think that those are real concepts but at yeah. the same time i think that what you're talking about match quality matters a lot right like like if you if you find something that you're able to really provide value in it, now all of a sudden putting in more effort or, or getting better at it 
isn't some remarkable accomplishment because it's just aligned with who you are. Does that make sense? Yeah. And yeah. I think that's a, also the problem of monetization. Like, I mean, if mm. something makes you happy, like, just do it. And, like, why do you have to be number one? Like,、yeah. you know, I think it comes to the topic of monetization. I think when you kind of think of that in the context of monetization, then you start feeling kind of shitty about the fact that you're not the number one.、Right. But, like you said, like, when you have the self awareness and then when you, Understand, I guess, that just the joy of the process of doing it. Like, just do it. Like, you don't have to make money from out of everything.、Right. And an, I guess, relating to another concept I talk about in my book, I talk about diversification in the income resources. And basically, to say, I,、uh, there is a, this concept from Japanese philosophy we call it Ikigai, which is In the English translation, I think translate to、uh, reason for being or purpose of being.、Uh-huh. And it has like different, well, four different circles, each explaining, like, well, this circle is about passion, this circle is about mission, this circle is about what you're good at, this mi- circle is about what you can get paid、um, mm-hmm. for. And then basically, the concept of Ikigai.、Um, Promotes this idea that Ikigai exists, ik,、uh, Ikigai lives in the center of all these overwrapping c- circles, right?、Mm-hmm. But for me, coming from the business and economics background, I have a slightly different approach to it. Like for me, I don't think it's specializing on the or the finding that one point in the middle in the circle. More realistic way of looking at it is you can diversify. Uh, different income streams from different things, and then I mean, what you do in life from the different circles like you can you can make money doing things that you can make money for while pursuing something that you're passionate about. So, you know, once again, coming back to the point, you don't have to make money from all of the things that you like to do. Rather,、right. if you try to make money out of anything, really, like your joy might get diminished, anyways. So, why don't you just do it to, for your joy, right? Yeah, no, that's, a, that's an excellent point.、Uh, it, it's something I, you know, the guy who makes the music for this show,、um, Misha Sarens, he, he's made music for most of his life, but he's never really tried to sell it a lot. And that's the reason that he provides for that is because he, he doesn't want it to be something where he's worried about chasing the money, right? Like, he wants it to be something where it's just his passion. So,、um, Anyway, just made me think of that because it's exactly, <laughs> exactly what you're illustrating. Something that struck me about your, your book title is, is the word domination in it.、Um, I'm a huge, a huge Kobe Bryant fan, which sounds like a weird segue, but he used the word dominate all of the time in you know, his marketing, frankly. It's not like I knew the guy personally, of course, but that was a word that he used consistently. How did you arrive at that, at that word in the game of self domination? Yeah. Uh, for me, the domination part is more、uh, proper to be used with self. So I would say self domination is the word that I wanted to use.、Uh, 
Um, the reason I said that is because when I think of, think back of like, like what is the one point I want to deliver to the world in a very like, you know, a short frame phrase, mm -hmm. looking back, everything I discussed in my book was really the message that it all comes down to here. Like yeah. you gotta, you gotta understand that you have control over everything. Mm. I mean, it's just really the matter of if you decided to let it or not. Right. And for me, I just like, I was looking for a word that I could really, um, deliver this message to in a mm -hmm. short form. And that is why the game of self-domination. Um, and I think, I don't know, like domination just felt really right because I guess, okay. So born and raised in Japan, brought up in this like a Japanese manner, very soft, very polite, very, um, kind manner. Like, you know, if you take communication, um, uh, way as an example like I struggled a lot from it also when I was in America working with Americans with no Japanese around only me being Japanese and you know I had a chance to work with people from different nations including America but also like people from all over the world really and but especially in the environment of you know American like a capitalism driven society mm -hmm. that I felt like I let people walk over me, you know, like I, I, I was, I struggled and I think I thought about what did I not have to overcome that, uh, situation or stop that situation earlier than I should have, uh, earlier than I did. And I noticed it was the domination. Like I didn't, like, I know that I have very, well, quote unquote, alpha characteristic. If you see me in a Japanese society, mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of funny. Um, alpha characteristic because I'm I'm a leader. I have a high standard. I you know I'm interested in offense. I'm not interested in defense. Like this kind of characteristic, right? But in America, like my character character really changes. Like especially in a work environment, right? Like it's the the power dynamic was so different and it was very weird it didn't feel good for me mm. um, and I think when, when I still look back this experience the one word that comes up in my head is that I could have been more dominant I could have like come out a little bit stronger and be more like a dominant personality at that time mm -hmm. and I, I don't know for some reason I really wanted to like use that word yeah. To kind of explain also why um why this like self domination matters even in the context of like your own mind. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that all makes a lot of sense. I, I will say just a quick aside, I love that you said that you're um you're you're focused on offense, not defense. I think that aligns you with Kobe Bryant as well. Um mm -hmm. <laughs> but anyway, silly Kobe joke. Um so <laughs> so um so yeah, you know, you're you're talking a lot about the how it's really all in the mind, and and mm -hmm. it's interesting because that's something that is said in a lot of in a lot of places. But for some reason, and again, I include myself in in this in this 
it it doesn't always resonate with people or it does it's not something that people that clicks with people um and so i i absolutely love that you have taken the time to put forth your own explanation of that because we need as many explanations of this fact as we can get so that it resonates with as many people as it possibly can because mm -hmm. the truth is that i and i think this is what you're describing is that like it really just kind of matters what you believe because whatever you believe then facilitates all of the rest of the things and and you can make up whatever the belief is right like mm -hmm. you can pick it like no one else gets to pick what your belief is i mean you can let someone else pick it but ultimately you have that power always mm -hmm. and it and it, it 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 goes beyond circumstance and it goes beyond where you started um it's literally available to everyone but it sounds it, it almost sounds too good to be true right mm -hmm. like that it's actually just all based on what you believe what you think kind of thing mm -hmm. i yeah so I, I i think that you're in your work you're you're talking a lot about um you know making sure that you own the truth of your life mm -hmm. um, I guess, how do you relate that to the idea of, of what you're talking about with how it's all kind of a psychological, kind of a psychological game? Right. Um, well, my argument is actually opposite, though. I think okay. it's harder. It's harder for someone to take ownership. I mean, it's hard to do that. That's why people don't do it. I mean, mm -hmm. they're being cynical. They're being, you know, like uh, uh, skeptical about the fact mm. that mine is everything. That's because it's hard to understand that everything is, is your fault. That's because under, it's it's harder to take yeah. ownership of everything that happens to you it comes from your mind, right? Yeah. So for me, the way I look at it is more like it's your responsibility to understand that everything is your fault. And when you are able to take ownership of things that happening around you instead of being a victim, then all of a sudden, once again, like life kind of becomes easier because now you understand that it's also your fault. Yeah. Well, and, and so, and I, I, I certainly, I didn't mean to sound like I was contradicting you. That wasn't my point at all. Cause I think what you're saying is all very accurate. Uh, yeah. And obviously you're the expert here, <laughs> not me. Um, I, I guess that's what you just said though, is kind of what I was getting at is it's interesting because I think that a lot of us do live in this, this thought that it's harder to own it. Mm -hmm. But then you just explained that if you can actually do that, it actually is easier if mm -hmm. you can understand that you own it, right? Like, yeah. like people think that they're taking the quote unquote, the easier way out by not taking ownership, but that's what leads to this continual struggle, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so if you can learn the lessons that you're teaching, it can, it, it can actually make life easier. Ultimately. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And like another thing, I think the most uh, must have quality of any successful people is that they're not smarter than you. They're just more willing than you. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you want to change something in your life, you got to be the one who's going to work for it. Like you're going to be you're going to have to be the one who's willing to do everything that takes for you to become successful or happier. Right. So whatever that means, like if mindset looks like a game that you can uh, you can play to kind of better yourself to create a better outcome for your for your happiness 
then you should do it if you want to be happy, right? And then if you, if something else looks like something that might work for you, then you gotta have to be willing to do it. Like as long as you stay within this mindset of like I'm a victim, like I'm I'm a receiver. You know, people should provide me with everything. Like n- nothing is gonna happen. Like you gotta you gotta be the one who's willing to do the work, willing to. Get the resources needed for you specifically to become happier. So, I guess my point here I wanted to make is that I'm not interested in telling truths to people, but I'm just like being a one kind of resource that they can pick according to their own truths, according to what they want. So I'm making the resource available for people, but the decision comes from them. Whether what I'm saying is true or not is not something I have over.、Uh, I have control over. I, I know that it's true for me, and it seems like it's true for many people. But at the same time, you gotta do you. You know, like you have to find what works for you. And for you to do that, you gotta be willing to try as many different things possible, and then decide what works the best for you. Yeah. No, that's that's a that's a a, a brilliant point because、um, you're you're speaking to the nuance of things, right? It's not there's not just binary. It's not just one or the other. There's a spectrum of of ways that people can approach, you know, solving problems or or living their life.、Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, yeah, I I certainly can appreciate that. And that's why the game of self domination, because once again, like there's no one size fit all. So you、mm-hmm. can do it. Like you can't outsource your answer to people or things. Like that's something you gotta come up. You understand. You have to understand. And there's no one else who can make that answer for you, you know. In your book, you you kind of you kind of break this down into three different phases. Yeah.、Um, that that a person goes through, and, and obviously we want people to check the book out. So I don't mean to to give away the whole thing, but、mm-hmm. at a, kind of a high level, can you touch on what those different phases are? Yeah, of course. So、uh, the book talks about the three different kinds of phases you have to go through to make mental transformation. How can one make a mental transformation? And the first phase I talk about is how can we create momentum and decisiveness. To be finally committed to whatever you decide to commit,、um, to make a change, right? And then to do that, you need both inspiration and desperation. Inspiration in the sense that you gotta believe whatever you're dreaming of right now is possible to happen.、Mm. Uh, so it comes from very emotional place uh, at first,、um, and then the desperation in a sense that you have to be disgusted about your situation. You just like suffer. 
from the way you are right now. And there's got to be something needs to be changed, right? Like that's the kind of state you need to be psychologically. So the first phase is very emotional. The second phase I start talking about is how to create the resilience and um, face in life. Well, perseverance in pursuing these goals that you once decided in the first phase. And there I talk about really various different topics, but the whole point of that is to redefine the definition of success, happiness, and failures. Because there's a lot of talks around, let's redefine the definition of failure, right? Which is hands down, absolutely needed topic to be discussed. But there's not enough topic, there's not enough talk around redefining uh, success and happiness. I think people kind of tend to rely on um, the most popular concept about that, right? That's being pushed from media that's been pushed from people who talk about it without necessarily deeper context of what it is. Mm. So I wanted to, once again, revisit what it is at the very, like a deeper level, not Mm -hmm. the surface level that's already used in the modern society. Mm Um, so second phase, I talk about that. And in the third phase, I start talking about, well, basically revisiting the same concept but at the deeper level and get to really uh core of why are we here right like what is happiness and success really mean and in a macro sense like what's the meaning of humanity like yeah. <laughs> i get very deep but basically the whole point of here is that um by the end of the book you become a little bit less serious about your life you become a little bit more courageous about the things um, that you, you know, you try. Mm-hmm. You become more risk tolerant because you understand that in a positive way, you don't mean anything too much. Like, <laughs> in a positive yeah. way because I'm talking about from like a very macro perspective. Right. Um, and then, so yeah, there's a bunch of benefits, um, but mostly like a mindset benefits. Uh, you can gain by the end of the book. And really, I dig deeper into what is success and happiness for you specifically, not for everyone else, but for you. Right. Yeah, that sounds like a, that sounds like a pretty, a pretty good journey uh, to mm-hmm. take people through, um, really kind of going through the, the whole, the whole process of what it's like to kind of transform themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the resilient part is the longest because it matters the most, you know, like I talk about self-awareness as well. Mm. Um, the kind of the steps you can take. I talk one other thing I talk about in the resilience phase uh, with the the um, importance of self awareness is I talk about identity circle. I call it identity circle. So basically, what it talks about is this concept from ancient Greek philosopher Aristotle, where he says happiness is virtue activities of the soul. So we tend to look at, um, well. We're, we we're tend to be motivated by two factors in life. The first one is uh, leeward. The second one is threat, right? So yeah. we tend to be driven by these two factors. And oftentimes, we tend to see the two in the opposite side of the spectrum. Threats here and then, um, sorry, uh, leeward here, threats here, right? But the, the reality is leeward only exists in the extension of threat so 
coming back to the point of Aristotle's happiness is a, a virtue activities of the soul only by overcoming your threat only by overcoming your adversities mm-hmm. you are truly able to meet your full potential and that's the ultimate happiness so only by confronting and facing the challenges you have the threat you have you get to the true self you get to your real i guess full potential you you get to explore the actual full potential Mm. and then meet your full potential and that's the ultimate happiness so that's the reward you're becoming who you are yeah that's really that's really awesome um i it's a it reminds me of this conversation that i've had on this show several times and and it's a thought that i just keep coming back to and it's this idea of 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 what you literally just described which is is holding two things that are are maybe at first glance opposites and understanding that actually both of them are true simultaneously mm-hmm. and, and like being able to kind of hold or observe that. And like, that is, that is the, the, the hard work in life, right? It is to, because if you can just say, Oh, well, this is, this is red and I only like blue or this is green and I only like yellow or whatever the binary distinction is going to be. And it's like, well, that's kind of easy, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you can simplify everything to, well, I don't have to think about it because I already know that I like this and not that mm-hmm. or whatever. But really, it's like, no, if you can actually observe both things at once, that's that's where the real work is done. And that's where real, like you said, maybe finding your real self comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to an author a few weeks ago about this idea, and he said, um, there's some quote he gave me, you might be familiar with it already, but it was that contradiction is the lever of transcendence. And I just love that quote, because it's exactly what you just described. The, the mm-hmm. reward and the threat are seemed as contradicting ideas, but they're not. Like they are, they're not, they're connected. Um, so yeah, that's really, again, it, it, I don't mean it as like, it's my idea. It's not, it's something that I'm stumbling into. And so it's just really exciting for me to hear someone like yourself, who's had the life that you've had and and had all these successes that you've had and, and spent as much time, honestly, just thinking about and understanding these things to the point that you can write a book about it it's cool to see that I'm at least on the right track, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> I'm not completely in left field here. Um, and the other thing that, that what you've talked about so far reminds me of is this, it's another, and it, it's, it's, it's kind of corny probably, but it's, it's really, it's the lesson of, of personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. And you talked about, you talked about it in the, in the context, the word you used, I think was, was feeling like you're a victim. Mm-hmm. And, it's a, it's a lesson. I'm, I'm, we're, we're not, there's no video to this, but you and I are on webcam. So you can see my hand mm-hmm. and anyone can see it. But like when you point, right, there's, there's three fingers that point back. There's one that goes out and three come back. Right. Oh, mm-hmm. and, and so it's like, it's to your point, like if you can blame something else and maybe you're even right that something else external is at fault, but the three fingers coming back demonstrate that it's your responsibility as you put it to solve it. Like it, 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 unfortunately as unfair as it is, it doesn't really matter what the blame is. Mm-hmm. The responsibility is yours. And I think that this lesson might be because you literally cannot point with a finger without the other three coming back. Like if you just extend your whole hand, you're not pointing. Right. <laughs> um, and it's like, I almost think that maybe it is the most important principle in life so much so that it's actually built directly into our bodies so that it transcends culture and language and everything because anyone with hands that points can see that lesson if they're looking for it again I, that probably sounds a little cheesy and i don't mean for it to, to be that but just 
I just can't stop thinking about just this idea of, of personal responsibility and accountability and, and, um, and res- again, responsibility is the word that you used earlier. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just, ha- I had to share those connecting. No, I, I love that. I never, I never knew about the pointing finger five, but this is so <laughs> interesting. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, um, you know, obviously you've got the book, like we said, coming out soon. Um, and we'll have links to, to your, your book and, and life up education TV, um, as well as foreignconnect.org. We'll have that in the show notes, but is there anywhere else that people should be looking to, to connect with you, social media or anything like that, that they should be reaching out yeah, to? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm on pretty much all social media. You can find me under life up education TV on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Um, did I say Instagram? Yeah, I did. LinkedIn. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So those okay. are five platforms. Okay, cool. Well, I'll make sure and throw those links in the show notes as well. Um, well, Natsune, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to join me uh, this evening or, or this morning, I guess, as it is for you. Um, <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. Was there anything else that you wanted to, to cover while we were here together? I think we did a pretty good job. Like you did okay. a pretty good job. Yeah. <laughs> covering everything. Wow. I hope I didn't. I hope I didn't didn't dominate the conversation. <laughs> I want you the dominator. Not you. I'm the dominator. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, me too. Thank you very much.
millions of years before our reign. Time grew life in so many ways. Protein folds to share. right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for our show today. Thank you so much again to Natsune for joining us. Really, really had a great time chatting with you. Again, folks, you can find all of the links in the show notes, so please check them out there. I also want to thank, of course, Misha Zarens for providing the music for today's show. Again, thank you so much, Misha. And of course, last but not least, thank you, listener, for listening to the episode today. I also want to invite you to check out my other podcast, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is a podcast I co-host with my friend Brett Lindley. Pick Up Your Sticks is all about video games, but instead of just doing news and reviews and and current events, we also talk about why gaming matters and and why we think it's a medium that's on par with movies or music or TV or books or any of the other ways that people entertain themselves. So if you like video games and you like long-form conversations, really think you'd like Pick Up Your Sticks, you can find it everywhere podcasts are found. Thanks again for listening. Have a great week. Stay up. Stay up.